the pastor of prayer and fasting here at our church. And I just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. And I am so excited this morning to be co-teaching with Pastor Rob. He is our discipleship and huddle pastor. He's also over our online campus. And I'm even more excited because I have had the privilege of being married to him for the last 14 years. And this is our first time co-speaking. Yes, we're very excited. Uh, it's going to be good. If you came here uh, expecting God to do something in your life today, we came expecting with you. Uh, and if you're not expecting yet, then I encourage you to start expecting because it's amazing how God fills that void of faith in our lives that wherever we're at today and whatever God is potentially going to do, he can fill that and do something exciting. So today we're going to be uh, talking more about the book of Song of Songs. We're closing the series out. And so uh, we've been talking about Solomon, King Solomon and the Shulamite, the very beautiful woman that uh, they're about to get married and there is uh, all this excitement, and they're using all this flowery language to describe their love for each other. And then we moved on a little bit, and we talked about them uh, on their wedding night, uh, consummating their wedding night, and that was very exciting. Nate gave us some great, beautiful uh, instructions uh, uh, from the book of Song of Psalms that you can go check out. And then we talked a little bit last week about some of the tensions uh, that can sometimes come in in our marriage. And we're going to pick up on that and go a little bit deeper into that. And we're going to explore a little bit more broadly uh, the topic of love and how to keep our love growing stronger. And so if you're here today and you're like, hey, you know, I am uh, in a relationship right now. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're dating. Uh, and you're thinking like, man, you know, we used to have this excitement and this attraction, and it was, you know, this, this great, exciting thing, but some of that has started to, to fall away. Uh, today, we're going to give you some tips to hopefully uh, rekindle some of that. Um, if, you are, if you have a relationship with a family member that maybe has gotten bitter and there's some unforgiveness and it's a difficult time, you know, a lot of us just experience Thanksgiving and for some of us, Thanksgiving can be a difficult weekend as we think about people who we would like to have in our lives but are not currently in our lives. Uh, we've got something for you today as well. And if you have gone through, you know, perhaps uh, a divorce and you just, you feel broken, you know, you've been hurt, you feel broken, and you're wondering, like, can I uh, be loved? Can I ever love somebody else again? Um, we have some stuff in here for you today, so we're excited about what God's going to do. I hope you're excited. Honey, will you pray for us? Yeah, let's open up with a prayer. God, we just thank you so much that, um, God, you are good, and you're kind, and you're faithful, and we're just so thankful that you are always our constant, Lord, and I just pray that as we are here today that you would soften our hearts and just speak to us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting in this book of Song of Solomon. By the way, how many people here have read through the whole book of Song of Solomon? Yeah, okay, and I have a confession to make. This is probably the only book in the Bible where I consistently find myself laughing out loud as I read it. Um, it's when I read it for what it is, but this we're in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, 5 through 7, and it starts like this. It says, Beneath the apple tree, I awakened you. There your mother went into labor with you. There she was in labor and gave birth to you. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol. Its flames are flames of fire, the fire of God. Many waters cannot quench love, 
nor will rivers flood over it. If a man were to give all his riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. One of the things that I've really learned to appreciate about this book is this whole book is about love. I feel like it's my dream. I don't know, maybe it's any girl's dream. Maybe it's a guy's dream, I don't know. But I just love how passionate this book is about love. It's about this love that is just so, always chases and always gives its best. And they love with their words and their actions and they're always pursuing. And I just really love that. But in life, we know that that's not reality, right? Like, as, no matter how hard we try to love on our own, there are times when it's hard. Love is hard. And so how do we work through that? So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Great. So Song of Songs, chapter 8, and we're going to start with verse 6. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death and jealousy as severe as Sheol. Its flames are flames of fire, the flame of the Lord. So here she's describing her love for her beloved and how she wants to be written on his arm and, and a seal covering his heart and the excitement of how she wants to be with him and to be close to him. And then we have strong as death, this description of love and how powerful love is. Can love make some of us crazy sometimes? Like it is a powerful, powerful thing. And so she's describing all of that. But the last part I wanna talk about first, and that is the flame of the Lord, the flame of the Lord. See, our fire, that love that's inside of our marriages, that love that's inside of our relationships with other people, that begins, the source of love begins with God. The source of love begins with God. And so in our relationships, we need to make God the number one thing in our relationships so that we can love the way that God loves. When we uh, do Christian marriages, we oftentimes will talk about the difference between covenant uh, and contract. A lot of people live... Uh, their dating life or they live their marriages more like a contract, right? Where a contract is something that if anyone breaks any of the terms of the contract, then the contract is null and void. We just tear it up, we move on, we start over with our lives, and we, we go on to the next person. And a lot of times that leaves us broken. And a lot of times that leaves us hurting, right? But a covenant is different. A covenant says that if somebody breaks the terms of this contract, of this agreement that we have, this, this covenant, the other party is still going to honor it. We're gonna to continue to honor this as long as we're in covenant, which is, which is for the, the eternity, the, the length of the contract. And so even if somebody does you wrong, you honor it. Well, how do you do that? How do you honor somebody when they're hurting you? How do you honor someone when they have betrayed you or, or, or mis they've taken that trust and they've destroyed it? How do you do that? Well, it starts by putting God first. When you get married, especially in a marriage relationship, we often talk about also how it's God, it's, it's the husband and the wife, we all come together and then we create one marriage. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine through 12, it says two are better than one because, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls, and there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? For if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. That's the power of, of, of a marriage and being together. But a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. There's something that's strengthened when you add that third party. 
when you bring God into the picture in your relationship, it's much stronger than even two. Two can support each other. Two can keep each other warm. Two can lift each other up when they fall. Two can resist the enemy when he comes in. But when you, when you bring God into the relationship, that is a love that is so strong that it can endure so, so much because they're, they're knitted together. They're, they're entwined together. We often talk about in our marriage that, you know, if it wasn't for God in our marriage, sometimes we don't know, like, how we would even make it. We don't know how other people do it. The statistics say that 50% of all marriages are ending in divorce. 50%. So how do they do that? We don't know, but we know that with God, these things are possible. That was really good. My, um, I remember when I was a teenager and I saw this triangle. I think we have a photo of the triangle here. And it really spoke to me. And I decided that this is how I wanted my life to be like someday when I did decide to get married. Maybe you've seen this before, but the idea is that the husband and the wife are on the bottom and God is on top and all those lines represent relationships. So when the husband is being intentional in pursuing God and when the wife is intentional in pursuing God, the distance between both of them closes and you grow closer to each other as a result of your pursuing God together. And I know a lot of people who um, know us individually are like, how did you guys meet and how are you together? Because we are literally night and day apart. We have so many differences. It's ridiculous. But the thing that unites us is our love for Jesus. And you guys, our unity in Christ trumps all our differences. Always. Because we're always going back to the one who doesn't change. And we're trying to live up to who he is. If you look at Song, chapter, uh, Song of Songs, chapter eight, verses six through seven, it says it's flames are flames of fire, the flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor rivers flood over it. And I love um, the way it's described here, right? The flames of fire. I don't know about you, but if you had fire, if you had a candle and you put it under running water, what would happen to it? It's not a trick question. (laughs) It would go out. Yeah, it would go out. Because it's just a candle and fire. That's what happens to fire when you put it under water. But if the source of that fire was from something other than anything ordinary, if it was from God himself, who is supernatural, and if your flame of your fire, of your love, and the source of that love was God himself, you could light that candle, and you could hold it under the Niagara Falls, you guys, and you could just see it burn, and it wouldn't go out, because there's something that is supernatural about that fire. And it's like that in our relationships. We have to be proactive about how we love and how we choose to love and making sure that our source is from God. So when storms of life hit, our source is gonna be stronger than the storms and that fire is not gonna go out. I know in life and in marriage, it can be so hard sometimes of just falling into the trap of the comparison, right? Like you bring your 50%, I'm gonna bring my 50%, we're gonna make this 100%, but God has not designed our marriage to be like that. He wants us to bring 100% of us. And that means to, not point fingers, right? We can fall into this lie sometimes that I know I fell into in my marriage, in the beginning of my marriage. And if you're there, I just want to tell you, if you try to change someone, it doesn't work. Like we can try our best sometimes. I read this recently and I, um, that 
husbands, when they get married, they're hoping that their wives won't change. And the wives, when they get married, they're hoping they're going to change their husbands. I don't know how accurate that is, but I feel like it was accurate in my life. And it didn't work because we don't have anything that changes people, right? We can be responsible for ourselves and we can take accountability for that, but we can't change anyone else. We can pray for our spouse. A lot of times, I think that it's the small things, right, in marriages that will drive you crazy. <laughs> um, one of the things that I'm still working on after 14 years is putting the salt in our cabinet where it belongs. It's always in the same cabinet. It's just not in the same spot. And I don't know why it's a big deal because it's always there. But to it's, my husband, it's it is. because we have a lot of spices in there. <laughs> and if it's like back behind like the spices that you never... Okay, never mind. It's just... Anyway, it's always in the same cabinet. If you just look, I think you'd find it. But, but it's the small things, right? But how many of us know that it's the small things that we want when they're done consistently over time have the power to build or destroy. And we have to be proactive about those small things and if, realizing, hey, if, am I helping build our marriage or am I helping destroy it or tear it apart? And we have to take responsibility for that. Um, and we talk about in verse six, it says, jealousy as a severe as she hold. One of my uh, verses that I really like in the book of Proverbs, it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart at all times because all the things in life flow from it, right? And I know in marriages, I think sometimes if we're not honest with each other of where we're falling short, where they're falling short, how they can help us. Sometimes we can open doors to things in our lives that are not healthy. Maybe they're emotional attachments. Maybe we can start being in this place of unforgiveness or bitterness, and those are not good places to be. I know this might sound pretty elementary, but we have to talk about these things, right? I remember one of the first times we had gotten married. Um, we got married, we're living in the suburbs of Chicago, and I went to my car because I was trying to go to work. And I flipped out, I came back inside, and I told my husband, I'm like, my car has snow on it. He's like, yeah, it snowed. I'm like, why didn't you clean it? And why didn't you warm it up? He's like, why would I do that? I'm like, because my dad always cleaned my car and warmed it up and make sure it was ready for me to go when I had to go to work. And he's like, okay. He's like, if you want me to do that, you have to tell me because I'm not your dad and your mom and your brother combined. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, and those are small things. And but those small things matter, right? If we hadn't talked about it, I would still expect my husband to clean my car and be mad about the fact that he didn't clean it. And, um, but we have to be able to willingly open and talk about it. Um, but I want to tell you that even though we can have those conversations and those things, it's still so important to prioritize God, right? I one of the, um, this has happened a couple weeks ago, maybe last week. Um, my husband was going through this hard season, so I was more intent on praying for him, like intentionally praying for him. And then one day I found myself like fasting and praying. Now, because I was fasting and praying, you think I would be like more holy somehow. But I walked into our closet and I found this medical device that his life literally depends on in my cabinet, like for the 50th time. But now I had to like figure out how to rearrange my day and try to figure out how to get it to them. And you guys, words started flying out of my mouth. They were not in the Bible. And, and I was so upset. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I know that doesn't please you. And I'm sorry that happened. I don't know what's going on. And I started apologizing to Guy about the things that are coming out of my mouth. But what he convicted me of was the condition of my heart. And he showed me that, hey, you're not having any mercy on him. 
See, it's out of my relationship with God, I was able to be like, you know what, you're right, I'm not. So by the time I got to work, to delivering all his stuff, I brought him extra treats, and I just went overboard with showing my love for him. And I want to tell you that I can't do that as a human. I am really not that nice. But I need Jesus every day so I can love him in a way that God wants me to love my husband, so I can love my children in a way that they need to be loved, so I can love my coworkers, my neighbors, but I can't do that on my own. I need God every day. Yeah, change, change starts with us. It's real easy to point the finger at the person that has hurt you or to point the finger at uh, you know, the situation that took place, and that's the reason uh, why things are the way that they are. But really, it has to start with us. And um, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's very popular. Uh, You guys probably know it well, Uh, but I'm going to read it to you. It says that if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardships that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But now faith, hope, and love remain. This is in verse 13. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I made a a picture of this and put this on our mantle, and I gave it to my wife uh, for our anniversary one year. And as I read that and look at that, I always ask myself, where is it that I need to change? Where is it that I need to grow? Where, can, where, where do I need to be more patient? And where do I need to be more kind? And stop keeping track of all the wrongs and stop being proud to go and ask for forgiveness when I'm the one who got upset and I'm the one who maybe started the conflict. That passage uh, means a lot to our family because um, one, it was read at our wedding, but two, it's a reminder of God's love for us. It's a reminder that he loves us in this way and he's teaching us. When you read about God and when you read through the scriptures and you learn about what love is, God is showing and demonstrating his love to us. And that change starts with us. We're going to uh, watch this video from a couple in our church um, we told you we've only been married for 14 years. We don't have it all figured out, um, but we are working at it. Um, but this is a, a video from a, a couple that have been married much longer than us and are much wiser. So check it out. Hey, guys, I'm excited to have Clinton Gail Booker here with us today. And we thought rather than just talking about how to stay connected in a marriage long term, that we would actually talk to a couple that have done it. And so, uh, Clint and Gail, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been married. Come January, it will be 53 years. We grew up uh, both in Christian homes and had the blessing of marriage really being permanent and divorce not being an option. 
I love that. So 53 years, like that's like goals for, for me, right? Like what, how, how have you been able to, to do that? Like what's, what's your secret? Is there any secrets that you could share with us? Not a secret, I wouldn't say, but yeah. I, the biggest thing really is having God in the center. We're responsible for changing ourselves, not changing our spouse, which is what we want to do. But having the Holy Spirit's power to, to do that is, I believe, what's kept us together for That's so good. And how, years. Like, what, how did you create that oneness? Like, individually and then together, what, is there, spiritually, how did you stay connected in that way? I think basically it starts out with having a deep love and respect and appreciation for each other which is part of the glue that keeps you together. We grew up in kind of different homes. My dad was sort of the dominant one. Gail's mom was sort of the dominant one. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that drew me to her was her being fiercely independent, but I didn't expect that to, <laughs> That's good. So to you be guys in our relationship with me. Different. <laughs> You have like all married couples, you learn more about each other as you go along, different personalities. So with that independence, how did you appreciate that long term in the marriage and foster that in a good way while still bringing you together as a couple? Is there anything that either of you could share on that? The, the most important part, really, I believe, is learning how to communicate with each other um, in a way that we really do listen to each other and, and validate each other's feelings even when we are in disagreement. And in that process, you're thinking about how he's really feeling about it, how I'm feeling about it, and how can we come to the center and work this out, considering yeah, each other. That takes such selflessness too, right? So I'm sure that didn't come easily early in the marriage. So is there an example or ways that you eventually got to the point that you could think of the other person's feelings because that's we're talking about emotional and right. spiritual and physical connection that's a big part of it right caring for the other person first our disagreements aren't caused by a desire for disagreement they're just caused by the fact that we're two different people that god has brought together so. to try and create one family and that's a challenge so for me josh it was really going back to um you know, I mentioned Gail's fiercely independent, but realizing how God made her and the giftedness that he gave her and then really becoming, I think, her biggest cheerleader. Oh, that's so that. good. That's exactly like Glenn talked about last week, cherishing one another, getting to yeah. that point of cherishing right. each yeah, other. Yeah, because we're both, he's independent too. It's not yeah. just me. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure. So then you have to work on that, you know, how much independence to have in your marriage and yet how you to depend on each other. Gotta work on your friendship, always, always. Working on your friendship with each other, um, making the time for each other. We, we still have a date night every week. That's what I was gonna ask. So the romance is still something you have to prioritize. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, and then tell me, what's like the greatest thing you've learned about yourself for your marriage that might help other marriages? Well, for me, Josh, it's my personality is that life isn't a roadmap as far as I'm concerned. What works for some may not work for others. If somebody says there are five steps to this, well, why aren't there six? Why aren't there eight? Who right. came up with five? So at the end of the day, you're a rebel. We have to understand our personalities and then we have to have the Holy Spirit pull 
those into the union that God wants us to have. So what works for one couple isn't necessarily going to work for another. You have to figure out what works and gives you that connectedness. That's so good. I was thinking about, you just reminded me of what Nate said in, earlier in the series, just about, we think, oh, we're both Christians, we got married, this will be right. easy, and no, it's you got to prioritize it. Respect, cherish, the words that you've sure. used to describe your marriage, I think should be goals for all of us. But can we thank Clint and Gail for uh, sharing with us this morning, and I'm going to hand it back to Robin and Dina. Thanks for watching. That was so good. I love your wisdom. Um, we're going to transition to our next point, and it says, don't stop chasing each other. And through this book, we see this in the book of Song of Songs, right? Like with this couple, it's like they have this moment, and the day ends, and then they reset, and then they start all over again. And there's this passion, there's this pursuit that never ends. And I was like, how do you do that? And then I realized they didn't have any kids. You know, it must be easier when they're not, <laughs> there are no kids in the picture. I don't know. But I know that that's been the thing that we have need, um, needed a reset on because we have four children. Three of them have fall birthdays. So we have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old. And they are amazing. I love being their mother. But they do have a tendency to suck all the life out of you somehow. And um, it's hard. So this in the last couple of months, we were talking and we're like, we need a reset. We feel like we've been so busy doing the stuff together. And we do a pretty good job, but I feel like we need a reset. So we decided to go to the Significant Marriage Seminar that was here a couple weeks ago. And it was awesome, you guys. I don't know if you've been to it or if you thought about going. Highly recommend it. Dave and Mary Gothi do an amazing job of just giving you tools to understand each other better, so how we can love each other well, and how you can pursue your purpose together for the Lord. And I was talking to my husband afterwards. I was like, we should have done this a long time ago because he has this plan written out on how to love his wife, who is fluent in all five love languages. And he's doing awesome now. I was like, we should have just done this a long time ago. So I don't know where you are in your marriage. And if you guys need some tools, there's another significant marriage seminar coming up. And they're going to put those dates up there. Highly recommend going to it. If you're in a place where you feel like, okay, we can't recover from just like a weekend thing. We need something that's more in-depth. They have a crisis seminar also that you can um, get more information on. If you feel like, you know what, I don't want to do with a group. We need something that's more one-on-one -on -one that we can work through really hard things. The church will come alongside of you and will help support you and help you to even get started and pay for some of the counseling sessions to get you started. And we have great resources there. If you want more information, you can stop by the prayer room or email us, and we'd love to help you get started in that. And um, as we wrap up, you guys, I want to share just one last thing. And it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it's actually from the book Song of Songs. And the first time I read it, it was on a wedding invitation. And it said, I have found the one whom my soul loves. And when I read it, if it was possible for my heart to just explode with just so much joy and excitement, that moment would have been just it for me. And... I was so excited. I have a thing about verses. I know Rob talked about having this verse made for our house, but I love having scripture on my house. But this one was so special to me. I was like, I want it. I want to wear it as a necklace, and I want to put it on my neck. So the closest thing I found was this little pendant thing. I don't know what people do with it, but I put a necklace through it, and I found my new husband, and I was like, babe, I'm like, you have to see this. I found something. He's like, okay, what does it say? I don't know. And I says, I have found the one whom my soul loves, and his name is Jesus. And he's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, okay, that's nice. And I think he was secretly hoping I would say that it was him. And I do love him, but I want to tell you that this was true years ago. It's true now, and it's going to be true to the very last breath I breathe, because there's no one who has the capacity to love me like he does. The one who has created you and me, he loves you so much and that no earthly relationship can even compare to it. Like my, my mind can't even comprehend, yeah, my mind can't even comprehend how the king from heaven would come on earth and choose to be born in a filthy manger and then choose to die one of the most horrific deaths known in human history. And as if that wasn't enough, he shows up in my life every day when I'm at my best, when I'm at my worst, and the everyday mundane to show me how much he loves for me and how much he cares for me. And he surprises me all throughout the day. And it's just like, what? God, you are amazing. He makes me feel like I am his favorite, you know? And it's my opinion, but I think I am. But he is awesome. And I just think, I just want to remind us here this today that sometimes we can get so caught up in chasing love and relationships, get, trying to get love from our children, grandchildren, or jobs, or career advancements, or whatever it is. But there is a gap in our heart. There's a God-sized void in our heart. And until that's filled with God himself, we're gonna find ourselves chasing love in all these different directions, and we're always gonna end up empty, because that void was never meant to be filled with anybody but Jesus. She's my favorite. Um, so, uh, you know, the last thing I just want to say is, it's like, you know, I think it's easy to uh, hear a story uh, about somebody else's relationship or to listen to uh, a message on love and not take any action. But our hope for you today is that you would begin to trust again and hope again that God could do something in your relationships that the, the thing that you have uh, seen as too difficult or too hard or, you know, this wall that maybe you've experienced in different places, uh, that that wall can be broken down. That you can have hope and believe that God can start with something inside of you by putting him first and honoring him, that the change can start in your heart. And then as that love flows outside of you, that eventually that relationship can be healed and can be restored. What I love about uh, Song of Songs and the way that the book ends is that it actually ends under a fruit tree. Uh, there's, a, there's this apple tree that they're sitting under. And if you think uh, about other fruit trees that exist uh, in the Bible, the first one that comes to my mind is at the beginning of the book uh, in Genesis when you, th when you think about Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, uh, there was a relationship between Adam, Eve, and God, and they were walking in the garden and they were naked, and they had no shame, and there was all of this intimacy and closeness and oneness, and it was when they disobeyed God and they ate of the fruit that sin came in and separated them, and that intimacy was lost. But here we see in Song of Songs, uh, Song of Songs being, literally meaning like the greatest song, like the greatest song uh, that's, that's ever been written. It's kind of like Lord of Lords, like the Lord of all Lords. Right? When you look at that book and this book that's describing this love, we see this fruit tree that is restoring, that is healing, that is honoring. The intimacy is being restored. The intimacy is being brought back. 
that there's still hope. This is how we can love one another. If we honor one another, if we're not self-seeking, if we allow God to be the priority in our relationship, and as we grow closer to him, we're also growing closer to one another. I wanna read this out of uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not know love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us that God who sent his only son into the world so that we may have life through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God, is, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. If your relationships need some healing today, I wanna to give you an opportunity for that to take place. Um, we have a prayer room that's over here. We have people that are ready to pray. If you want someone to stand with you, you can do that. We're also gonna worship and we're gonna stand up. And I, I asked them to, to pick this uh, song, uh, Do It Again, because there's a line in this song that talks about the mountains and the mountains being moved. And I feel like sometimes that's where we can go, is feeling like the problems can be as big as a mountain. But the hope is, is that if we love like God loves and we, and we trust in him, we can pray, we can have faith, we can endure just a little bit longer, maybe one more day, and see what God will do in our relationships. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, I just wanna... Uh, come to you and, and just surrender myself to you and say, God, uh, I want to be more like you. God, I want to love the way that you love. Sometimes I don't feel loved. Sometimes I feel like I am the problem. But God, I know that you love us. I know that you love me. God, and I, I just ask for forgiveness in the places where I have uh, wronged my wife or, or other people in my life. God, I pray that you would uh, heal the places in my heart that need to be healed. And God, I just, I just ask, Lord, for those that are in this room that are needing healing, God, that you would come and pour out your love abundantly. God, that they would know your love, that they would experience your love even as we worship, even as they go to the prayer room even as they walk home today and they get, they get to their car and, and they drive, God, that they would experience the, the overwhelming love of God in their life. That fire that can't be quenched by any river that would try to flood it. God, let them experience that kind of love. And God, I also just pray, Lord, that you would help us to hope. Help us to, to hope, God, and to have faith, God, that you can still move the mountains. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. We're excited to worship you. We're thankful for all that you're doing in our lives. And we give you all the glory and praise. And the whole church said, 